Welcome to the All About Music podcast, where we will provide the best offerings about the world music in all parts of the world. In this 277th episode, we will take a deeper look at the history of the country genre that is widely liked by people in the world. What is the origin of the country music genre that exists today? So instead of that, stay tuned with us in this episode. Country, also called country and western, is a genre of popular music that takes its roots from genres such as blues and old-time music and various types of American folk music including Appalachian, Cajun, and the cowboy western music styles of Red Dirt, New Mexico, Texas country, and Tejano. Its popularized roots originate in the southern United States of the early 1920s. Country music often consists of ballads and dance tunes with generally simple forms, folk lyrics, and harmonies mostly accompanied by string instruments such as banjos, electric and acoustic guitars, steel guitars such as pedal steels and dobros, and fiddles as well as harmonicas. Blues modes have been used extensively throughout its recorded history. According to Lindsay Starnes, the term country music gained popularity in the 1940s in preference to the earlier term hillbilly music. It came to encompass western music, which evolved parallel to hillbilly music from similar roots in the mid-20th century. In 2009 in the United States, country music was the most listened to rush hour radio genre during the evening commute and second most popular in the morning commute. The term country music is used today to describe many styles and subgenres. The origins of country music are found in the folk music of working-class Americans and blue-collar American life. It has been inspired by American popular music and American folk music which had its roots in Celtic music, traditional English ballads, cowboy songs, corridos, African-American music, French folk music, and other folk musical traditions. The first commercial recordings of what was considered instrumental music in the traditional country style were Arkansas Traveler and Turkey in the Straw by Fiddler's Henry Gilliland and A.C. Eck Robertson on June 30, 1922 for Victor Records and released in April 1923. Columbia Records began issuing records with Hillbilly Music Series 15000D old familiar tunes as early as 1924. The first commercial recording of what is widely considered to be the first country song featuring vocals and lyrics was Fiddlin' John Carson with Little Log Cabin in the Lane for OKA Records on June 14, 1923. Vernon Dalhart was the first country singer to have a nationwide hit in May 1924 with Wreck of the Old 97. The flip side of the record was Lonesome Road Blues, which also became very popular. In April 1924, Aunt Samantha Bumgarner and Eva Davis became the first female musicians to record and release country songs. Many hillbilly musicians, such as Cliff Carlisle, recorded blues songs throughout the decade and into the 1930s. Other important early recording artists were Riley Puckett, Don Richardson, Fiddlin', John Carson. 
Uncle Dave Macon, Al Hopkins, Ernest V. Stoneman, Blind Alfred, Reed Charlie Poole and the North Carolina Ramblers and the Skillet Lickers. The steel guitar entered country music as early as 1922. When Jimmy Tarleton met famed Hawaiian guitarist Frank Ferreira on the West Coast, Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family are widely considered to be important early country musicians. From Scott County, Virginia, the Carters had learned sight reading of hymnals and sheet music using solfege. Their songs were first captured at a historic recording session in Bristol, Tennessee, on August 1, 1927 where Ralph Peer was the talent scout and sound recordist. A scene in the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? depicts a similar occurrence in the same time frame. Rogers fused hillbilly country, gospel, jazz, blues, pop, cowboy, and folk, and many of his best songs were his compositions, including Blue Yodel, which sold over a million records and established Rogers as the premier singer of early country music. Beginning in 1927, and for the next 17 years the Carters recorded some 300 old-time ballads. Traditional tunes, country songs and gospel hymns, all representative of America's southeastern folklore and heritage. Record sales declined during the Great Depression, but radio became a popular source of entertainment, and barn dance shows featuring country music were started by radio stations all over the South, as far north as Chicago, and as far west as California. The most important was the Grand Ole Opry, aired starting in 1925 by WSM in Nashville and continuing to the present day. Some of the early stars on the Opry were Uncle Dave Macon, Roy Acuff and African-American harmonica player Deford Bailey. WSM's 50,000-watt signal in 1934 could often be heard across the country. Many musicians performed and recorded songs in any number of styles. Moon Mulligan, for example, played western swing but also recorded songs that can be called rockabilly. Between 1947 and 1949, country crooner Eddie Arnold placed eight songs in the top ten. From 1945 to 1955, Jenny Lou Carson was one of the most prolific songwriters in country music. In the 1930s and 1940s, cowboy songs, or western music, which had been recorded since the 1920s, were popularized by films made in Hollywood. Some of the popular singing cowboys from the era were Gene Autry, the Sons of the Pioneers, and Roy Rogers. Country music and western music were frequently played together on the same radio stations, hence the term country and western music. Cowgirls contributed to the sound in various family groups. Patsy Montana opened the door for female artists with her history-making song, I Want to Be a Cowboy, Sweetheart. This would begin a movement toward opportunities for women to have successful solo careers. Bob Wills was another country musician from the Lower Great Plains who had become very popular as the leader of a hot string band and who also appeared in Hollywood westerns. His mix of country and jazz, which started out as dance hall music, would become known as western swing. Cliff Bruner, Moon Mullican. Milton Brown and Adolf Hoffner were other early western swing pioneers. Spade Cooley and Tex Williams also had very popular bands and appeared in films. At its height, western swing rivaled the popularity of big band swing music. 
by the end of World War II. Mountaineer string band music known as Bluegrass had emerged when Bill Monroe joined with Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs introduced by Roy Acuff at the Grand Ole Opry. That was the ordination of bluegrass music and how Bill Monroe came to be known as the father of bluegrass. Gospel music, too, remained a popular component of bluegrass and other sorts of country music. Red Foley, the biggest country star following World War II, had one of the first million-selling gospel hits, Peace in the Valley, and also sang boogie, blues, and rockabilly. In the post-war period, country music was called folk in the trades and hillbilly with the industry. In 1944, Billboard replaced the term hillbilly with folk songs and blues and switched to country or country and western in 1949. Another type of stripped down and raw music with a variety of moods and a basic ensemble of guitar, bass, dobro or steel guitar and later drums became popular, especially among poor whites in Texas and Oklahoma. It became known as Honky Tonk and had its roots in Western swing in the ranchera music of Mexico and the border states, particularly Texas. Together with the blues of the American South, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys personify this music which has been described as a little bit of this and a little bit of that. A little bit of black and a little bit of white. Just loud enough to keep you from thinking too much and to go right on ordering the whiskey. East Texan Al Dexter had a hit with Honky Tonk Blues and seven years later, Pistol Packin' Mama. These Honky Tonk songs associated bar rooms were performed by the likes of Ernest Tubb, Kitty Wells, the first major female country solo singer, Ted Daffin, Floyd Tillman, and the Maddox brothers and Rose Lefty Frizzle and Hank Williams would later be called traditional country. Williams's influence in particular would prove to be enormous inspiring many of the pioneers of rock and roll, such as Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis, as well as Chuck Berry and Ike Turner, while providing a framework for emerging honky-tonk talents like George Jones. Webb Pierce was the top-charting country artist of the 1950s with 13 of his singles spending 113 weeks at number one. He charted 48 singles during the decade, 31 reached the top 10 and 26 reached the top 4. Following in the footsteps of Gene Autry, Lydia Mendoza, Roy Rogers, and Patsy Montana. By the early 1950s, a blend of western swing, country boogie, and honky-tonk was played by most country bands. Western music influenced by the cowboy ballads New Mexico. Texas country and Tejano music rhythms of the southwestern United States and northern Mexico reached its peak in popularity in the late 1950s most notably with the song El Paso, first recorded by Marty Robbins in September 1959. Western music's influence would continue to grow within the country music sphere. Western musicians like Michael Martin Murphy, New Mexico music artists Sal Hurricane and Antonia Apodaca, Tejano music performer Little Joe, and even folk revivalist John Denver all first rose to prominence during this time. This Western music influence largely kept the music of the folk revival and folk rock from influencing the country music genre much despite the similarity in instrumentation and origins. See. For instance, the Birds' negative reception during their appearance on the Grand Ole Opry. 
The main concern was largely political, Mo's folk revival was largely driven by progressive activists. A star contrast to the culturally conservative audiences of country music. Only a handful of folk artists, such as Burl Ives and Canadian musician Gordon Lightfoot, would cross over into country music after the folk revival died out. During the mid-1950s a new style of country music became popular, eventually to be referred to as rockabilly. In 1953, the first all-country radio station was established in Lubbock, Texas. The music of the 1960s and 1970s targeted the American working class, and truckers in particular. As country radio became more popular, trucking songs like the 1963 hit song Six Days on the Road by Dave Dudley began to make up their own subgenre of country. These revamped songs sought to portray American truckers as new folk hero, marking a significant shift in sound from earlier country music. The song was written by actual truckers and contained numerous references to the trucker culture of the time like ICC for Interstate Commerce Commission and Little White Pills as a reference to amphetamines. Starday Records in Nashville followed up on Dudley's initial success with the release of Give Me 40 Acres by the Willis Brothers. Rockabilly was most popular with country fans in the 1950s. One of the first rock and roll superstars was former Western yodeler Bill Haley, who repurposed his four aces of Western swing into a rockabilly band in the early 1950s and renamed it The Comets. Bill Haley and his Comets are credited with two of the first successful rock and roll records, Crazy Man, Crazy, of 1953 and Rock Around the Clock in 1954. 1956 could be called the year of rockabilly and country music. Rockabilly was an early form of rock and roll, an upbeat combination of blues and country music. The number two, three and four songs on Billboard's charts for that year were Elvis Presley, Heartbreak Hotel, Johnny Cash, I Walk the Line, and Carl Perkins. Blue Suede Shoes, Thumber Jones, George Jones, Cash and Presley placed songs in the top five in 1958 with number three, Guess Things Happen That Way, Come In, Stranger, by Cash, and No. Five by Presley, Don't, I Beg of You. Presley acknowledged the influence of rhythm and blues artists in his style, saying, The colored folk been singing and playing it just the way I'm doing it now. Man for more years than I know. Within a few years, many rockabilly musicians returned to a more mainstream style or had defined their own unique style. Country music gained national television exposure through Ozark Jubilee on ABC TV and radio from 1955 to 1960 from Springfield, Missouri. The program showcased top stars including several rockabilly artists, some from the Ozarks. As Webb Pierce put it in 1956, once upon a time, it was almost impossible to sell country music in a place like New York City. Nowadays, television takes us everywhere, and country music records and sheet music sell as well in large cities as anywhere else. The late 1950s saw the emergence of Buddy Holly, but by the end of the decade, Backlash as well as traditional artists such as Ray Price, Marty Robbins, and Johnny Horton began to shift the industry away from the rock and roll influences of the mid-1950s. 
The Country Music Association was founded in 1958, in part because numerous country musicians were appalled by the increased influence of rock and roll on country music. Beginning in the mid-1950s and reaching its peak during the early 1960s, the Nashville sound turned country music into a multi-million dollar industry centered in Nashville, Tennessee. Under the direction of producers such as Chet Atkins, Bill Porter, Paul Cohen, Owen Bradley, Bob Ferguson, and later Billy Sherrill, the sound brought country music to a diverse audience and helped to revive country as it emerged from a commercially fallow period. This subgenre was notable for borrowing from 1950s pop stylings, a prominent and smooth vocal backed by a string section, violins and other orchestral strings, and vocal chorus. Instrumental soloing was de-emphasized in favor of trademark licks. Leading artists in this genre included Jim Reeves, Skeeter Davis, Connie Smith, The Browns' Patsy Cline, and Eddie Arnold. The slip-note piano style of session musician Floyd Kramer was an important component of this style. The Nashville sound collapsed in mainstream popularity in 1964, a victim of both the British invasion and the deaths of Reeves and Klein in separate airplane crashes. By the mid-1960s, the genre had developed into countrypolitan. Countrypolitan was aimed straight at mainstream markets, and it sold well throughout the later 1960s into the early 1970s. Top artists included Tammy Wynette, Lynn Anderson and Charlie Rich, as well as such former hard country artists as Ray Price and Marty Robbins. Despite the appeal of the Nashville sound, Many traditional country artists emerged during this period and dominated the genre. Loretta Lynn, Merle Haggard, Buck Owens, Porter Wagoner, George Jones, and Sonny James among them. In 1962, Ray Charles surprised the pop world by turning his attention to country and western music. Topping the charts and rating number 3 for the year on Billboard's pop chart with the I Can't Stop Loving You single and recording the landmark album Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music. Another subgenre of country music grew out of hardcore honky-tonk with elements of western swing and originated 112 miles 180 kilometers north-northwest of Los Angeles in Bakersfield, California where many Okies and other Dust Bowl migrants had settled. Influenced by one-time West Coast residents Bob Wills and Lefty Frizzle, by 1966 it was known as the Bakersfield Sound. It relied on electric instruments and amplification, in particular the Telecaster electric guitar, more than other subgenres of the country music of the era, and it can be described as having a sharp, Hard, driving, no-frills, edgy-flavored guitars and honky-tonk harmonies. Leading practitioners of this style were Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, Tommy Collins, Gary Allen, and Wynn Stewart, each of whom had his own style. Ken Nelson, who had produced Owens and Haggard and Rose Maddox became interested in the trucking song subgenre following the success of Six Days on the Road and asked Red Simpson to record an album of trucking songs. Haggard's White Line Fever was also part of the trucking subgenre, 
The country music scene of the 1940s until the 1970s was largely dominated by Western music influences. So much so that the genre began to be called country and Western. Even today, cowboy and frontier values continue to play a role in the larger country music, with Western wear, cowboy boots, and cowboy hats continues to be in fashion for country artists. West of the Mississippi River, many of these Western genres continue to flourish, including the red dirt of Oklahoma, New Mexico music of New Mexico, and both Texas country music and Tejano music of Texas. During the 1950s until the early 1970s the latter part of the Western heyday in country music. Many of these genres featured popular artists that continue to influence both their distinctive genres and larger country music. Red Dirt featured Bob Childers and Steve Ripley. For New Mexico music Al Hurricane, Al Hurricane Jr. and Antonia Apodaca and within the Texas scenes Willie Nelson, Freddie Fender and Little Joe. As outlaw country music emerged as subgenre in its own right, Red Dirt, New Mexico, Texas Country, and Tejano grew in popularity as a part of the outlaw country movement, originating in the bars, fiestas, and honky tonks of Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Texas. Their music supplemented outlaw country's singer songwriter tradition as well as future rock inspired alternative country and hip hop inspired country rap artists. Example of cowboy hat and cowboy boots, two prominent components of country music fashion derived from the traditional western including Red Dirt, New Mexico, Texas Country, Tejano, and honky-tonk musical styles of the late 1950s and 1960s. Songs such as the 1963 Johnny Cash popularized Ring of Fire show clear influences from the likes of Al Hurricane and Little Joe. This influence just happened to culminate with artists such as Ray Price whose band the Cherokee Cowboys included Willie Nelson and Roger Miller and mixed with the anger of an alienated subculture of the nation during the period outlaw country revolutionized the genre of country music. After I left Nashville, the early 70s I wanted to relax and play the music that I wanted to play and just stay around Texas maybe Oklahoma. Waylon and I had that outlaw image going, and when it caught on at colleges and we started selling records, we were okay. The whole outlaw thing, it had nothing to do with the music, it was something that got written in an article. And the young people said, well, that's pretty cool, and started listening. Willie Nelson, the term outlaw country is traditionally associated with Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker, Hank Williams. Jr., Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings and Joe Ely. It was encapsulated in the 1976 album Wanted. The Outlaws, country pop or soft pop with roots in the countrypolitan sound, folk music, and soft rock, is a subgenre that first emerged in the 1970s. Although the term first referred to country music songs and artists that crossed over to Top 40 Radio, country pop acts are now more likely to cross over to adult contemporary music. It started with pop music singers like Glenn Campbell, Bobby Gentry, John Denver, Olivia Newton-John, Anne Murray, B.J. Thomas the Bellamy Brothers, and Linda Ronstadt having hits on the country charts. Between 1972 and 1975, 
Singer, guitarist John Denver released a series of hugely successful songs blending country and folk rock musical styles Rocky Mountain High, Sunshine on My Shoulders, Annie's Song. Thank God I'm a country boy and I'm sorry and was named Country Music Entertainer of the Year in 1975. The year before, Olivia Newton-John, an Australian pop singer, won the Best Female Country Vocal Performance as well as the Country Music Association's Most Coveted Award for Females Female Vocalist of the Year. In response, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Gene Shepard and other traditional Nashville country artists dissatisfied with a new trend formed the short-lived Association of Country Entertainers in 1974. The ace soon unraveled in the wake of Jones and Wynette's bitter divorce and Shepard's realization that most others in the industry lacked her passion for the movement. During the mid-1970s, Dolly Parton, a successful mainstream country artist since the late 1960s, mounted a high-profile campaign to cross over to pop music culminating in her 1977 hit Here You Come Again which topped the U.S. country singles chart and also reached number three on the pop singles charts. Parton's male counterpart, Kenny Rogers, came from the opposite direction, aiming his music at the country charts after a successful career in pop, rock and folk music with the first edition, achieving success the same year with Lucille, which topped the country charts and reached number five on the U.S. pop singles charts as well as reaching number one on the British all-genre chart. Parton and Rogers would both continue to have success on both country and pop charts simultaneously, well into the 1980s. Artists like Crystal Gale, Ronnie Millsap and Barbara Mandrell would also find success on the pop charts with their records. In 1975, author Paul Hemphill stated in the Saturday Evening Post, Country music isn't really country anymore, it is a hybrid of nearly every form of popular music in America. During the early 1980s, country artists continued to see their records perform well on the pop charts. Willie Nelson and Juice Newton each had two songs in the top five of the Billboard Hot 100 in the early 80s. Nelson charted, Always On My Mind, number 5, 1982, and, To All The Girls I've Loved Before, number 5, 1984, a duet with Julio Iglesias, and Newton achieved success with Queen of Hearts, number 2, 1981, and Angel of the Morning, number 4, 1981. Four country songs topped the Billboard Hot 100 in the 1980s, Lady, by Kenny Rogers, from the late fall of 1980, 9-5 to 5 by Dolly Parton. I Love Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit, these two back-to-back -back at the top in early 1981, and Islands in the Stream, a duet by Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers in 1983. A pop country crossover hit written by Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb of the Bee Gees. Newton's Queen of Hearts almost reached number one, but was kept out of the spot by the pop ballad juggernaut Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. The move of country music toward neo-traditional styles led to a marked decline in country pop crossovers in the late 1980s, and only one song in that period, Roy Orbison's You Got It from 1989 made the top 10 of both the Billboard Hot Country singles and Hot 100 charts due largely to a revival of interest in Orbison after his sudden death.
the only song with substantial country airplay to reach number one on the pop charts in the late 1980s was At This Moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters. An R&B song with slide guitar embellishment that appeared at number 42 on the country charts from minor crossover airplay. The record-setting, multi-platinum group Alabama was named Artist of the Decade for the 1980s by the Academy of Country Music. Country rock is a genre that started in the 1960s but became prominent in the 1970s. The late 1960s in American music produced a unique blend as a result of traditionalist backlash within separate genres. In the aftermath of the British invasion, many desired a return to the old values of rock and roll. At the same time there was a lack of enthusiasm in the country sector for Nashville-produced music. What resulted was a crossbred genre known as country rock. Early innovators in this new style of music in the 1960s and 1970s included Bob Dylan, who was the first to revert to country music with his 1967 album John Wesley Harding, and even more so with that album's follow-up Nashville Skyline, followed by Gene Clark. Clark's former band The Birds with Graham Parsons on Sweetheart of the Rodeo and its spin-off The Flying Burrito Brothers also featuring Graham Parsons guitarist Clarence White. Michael Nesmith The Monkees and the first national band The Grateful Dead, Neil Young, Commander Cody, The Elman Brothers, The Marshall Tucker Band, Poco, Buffalo Springfield, and Eagles. Among many, even the former folk music duo Ian and Sylvia, who formed Great Speckled Bird in 1969. The Eagles would become the most successful of these country rock acts. And their compilation album Their Greatest Hits 19,711,975 remains the second best-selling album in the US with 29 million copies sold. The Rolling Stones also got into the act with songs like Dead Flowers and a country version of Honky Tonk Women. Described by AllMusic as the father of country rock, Grant Parsons' work in the early 1970s was acclaimed for its purity and for his appreciation for aspects of traditional country music. Though his career was cut tragically short by his 1973 death, his legacy was carried on by his protege and duet partner Emilou Harris. Harris would release her debut solo in 1975, an amalgamation of country, rock and roll, folk blues and pop. Subsequent to the initial blending of the two polar opposite genres, other offspring soon resulted, including southern rock, heartland rock and in more recent years, alternative country. In the decades that followed, artists such as Deuce Newton, Alabama, Hank Williams Jr., and, to an even greater extent, Hank Williams III, Gary Allen, Shania Twain, Brooks and Dunn, Faith Hill, Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, Dwight Yoakam, Steve Earle, Dolly Parton, Roseanne Cash and Linda Ronstadt moved country further towards rock influence. Beginning in 1989, a confluence of events brought an unprecedented commercial boom to country music. New marketing strategies were used to engage fans, powered by technology that more accurately tracked the popularity of country music and boosted by a political and economic climate that focused attention on the genre. 
Garth Brooks' friends in low places in particular attracted fans with his fusion of neo-traditionalist country and stadium rock. Other artists such as Brooks and Dunn, Boot Scoot and Boogie also combined conventional country with slick rock elements while Laurie Morgan, Mary Chapin Carpenter, and Kathy Mattea updated neo-traditionalist styles. Country music was aided by the U.S. Federal Communications Commission's FCC docket 8090, which led to a significant expansion of FM radio in the 1980s by adding numerous higher-fidelity FM signals to rural and suburban areas. At this point, country music was mainly heard on rural AM radio stations. The expansion of FM was particularly helpful to country music which migrated to FM from the AM band as AM became overcome by talk radio. The country music stations that stayed on AM developed the classic country format for the AM on audience. At the same time, beautiful music stations already in rural areas began abandoning the format leading to its effective demise to adopt country music as well. This wider availability of country music led to producers seeking to polish their product for a wider audience. In 1990, Billboard, which had published a country music chart since the 1940s, changed the methodology it used to compile the chart. Singles sales were removed from the methodology, and only airplay on country radio determined a song's place on the chart. In the 1990s, Country music became a worldwide phenomenon thanks to Garth Brooks, who enjoyed one of the most successful careers in popular music history, breaking records for both sales and concert attendance throughout the decade. The RIAA has certified his recordings at a combined 128 times platinum, denoting roughly 113 million U.S. shipments. Other artists that experienced success during this time included Clint Black, Sammy Kershaw, Aaron Tippin, Travis Tritt, Alan Jackson and the newly formed duo of Brooks and Dunn, George Strait, whose career began in the 1980s, also continued to have widespread success in this decade and beyond. Toby Keith began his career as a more pop-oriented country singer in the 1990s evolving into an outlaw persona in the late 1990s with Pull My Chain and its follow-up Unleashed. Female artists such as Reba McIntyre, Patti Loveless, Faith Hill, Martina McBride, Deanna Carter, Leanne Rimes, Mindy McCready, Lori Morgan, Shania Twain and Mary Chapin Carpenter all released platinum-selling albums in the 1990s. The Dixie Chicks became one of the most popular country bands in the 1990s and early 2000s. Their 1998 debut album Wide Open Spaces went on to become certified 12x platinum, while their 1999 album Fly went on to become 10x platinum. After their third album, Home, was released in 2003, the band made political news in part because of lead singer Natalie Maines' comments disparaging then-president George W. Bush while the band was overseas, Maine stated that she and her bandmates were ashamed to be from the same state as Bush, who had just commenced the Iraq War a few days prior. The comments caused a rift between the band and the country music scene, and the band's fourth and most recent album, 2006's Taking the Long Way, took a more rock-oriented direction. The album was commercially successful overall among non-country audiences but largely ignored among country audiences. 
After taking the long way, the band broke up for a decade, with two of its members continuing as the Courtyard Hounds before reuniting in 2016 and releasing new material in 2020. Country influences combined with punk rock and alternative rock to forge the cowpunk scene in Southern California during the 1980s, which included bands such as the Long Riders, Lone Justice and the Beat Farmers, as well as the established punk group X, whose music had begun to include country and rockabilly influences. Simultaneously, a generation of diverse country artists outside of California emerged that rejected the perceived cultural and musical conservatism associated with Nashville's mainstream country musicians in favor of more countercultural outlaw country and the folk singer-songwriter traditions of artists such as Woody Guthrie, Graham Parsons and Bob Dylan. Artists from outside California who were associated with early alternative country included singer-songwriters such as Lucinda Williams, Lyle Ovid, and Steve Earle. The Nashville country rock band Jason and the Scorchers and the British post-punk band The Mekons. Earl, in particular, was noted for his popularity with both country and college rock audiences. He promoted his 1986 debut album Guitar Town with a tour that saw him open for both country singer Dwight Yoakam and alternative rock band The Replacements. Yoakam also cultivated a fan base spanning multiple genres throughout his stripped-down honky-tonk influence sound association with the cowpunk scene and performances at Los Angeles punk rock clubs. These early styles had coalesced into a genre by the time the Illinois group Uncle Tupelo released their influential debut album No Depression in 1990. The album is widely credited as being the first alternative country album and inspired the name of No Depression magazine, which exclusively covered the new genre. Following Uncle Tupelo's disbanding in 1994, its members formed two significant bands in genre, Wilco and Sunvolt. Although Wilco's sound had moved away from country and towards indie rock by the time they released their critically acclaimed album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot in 2002, they have continued to be an influence on later alt-country artists. Other acts who became prominent in the alt-country genre during the 1990s and 2000s included the Bottle Rockets, The Handsome Family, Blue Mountain, Robbie, Falk's Blood Oranges, Bright Eyes Drive by Truckers, Old 97s, Old Crow Medicine Show at Nickel Creek, Nico Case, and Whiskey Town, whose lead singer Ryan Adams later had a successful solo career. Alt country, in various iterations overlapped with other genres including red dirt country music, cross-Canadian ragweed, jam bands My Morning Jacket and The String Cheese Incident, and indie folk The Avid Brothers. Despite the genre's growing popularity in the 1980s, 90s and 2000s, alternative country and neo-traditionalist artists saw minimal support from country radio in those decades. Despite strong sales and critical acclaim for albums such as the soundtrack to the 2000 film Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In 1987, the Beat Farmers gained airplay on country music stations with their song Make It Last. But the single was pulled from the format when station programmers decreed the band's music was too rock-oriented for their audience. However, some alt-country songs have been crossover hits to mainstream country radio in cover versions by established artists on the format. 
Lucinda Williams's Passionate Kisses was a hit for Mary Chapin Carpenter in 1993. Ryan Adams's When the Stars Go Blue was a hit for Tim McGraw in 2007. An Old Crow Medicine Show's Wagon Wheel was a hit for Darius Rucker in 2013. In the 2010s the alt-country genre saw an increase in its critical and commercial popularity. Owing to the success of artists such as The Civil War's Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, Jason Isbell, Lydia Lovelace and Margot Price. In 2019, Casey Musgraves a country artist who had gained a following with indie rock fans and music critics despite minimal airplay on country radio won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year for her album, Golden Hour. That's a summary that that we can give about country genre. We apologize if there are deficiencies or mistakes in the words we say. Don't forget to follow and share with your friends if we are here. Thank you and see you in the next episode.